Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Don Callahan, and Don's been quite busy. If you're a regular on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board and on Inside Carolina, you've seen all the work that... Don's done over the last few weeks, few months with Carolina football recruiting. And Don, let's just start out big. In your opinion, what's the biggest thing that's happened for North Carolina football on the recruiting front over those last few weeks? Well, I guess the biggest thing was landing the commitment from Tyler uh, Shook, who uh, committed a couple days prior to the freak show. But uh, a very close second is the freak show itself where UNC on that night landed three commitments. And then a couple days later, Jace Reuter committed. The day afterwards, a 2019 kid committed. And a couple days after that, another 2019 kid committed. Um, All of those kind of can be traced back to the freak show. So I I would say those are the top two, I guess, storylines the past couple of weeks for recruiting. Let's go ahead and get into the quarterbacks. Uh, compare and contrast these two guys that Carolina's picked up because, you know, there's been a lot of discussion on the message board um, about getting two, and I assume the, cla- the the coaches want two from this class to get the depth chart back right. But just talk about each of them and what they bring to the table. Well, I think the main difference between the two is in just talking to Jace is Jace Reuter is he has that chip on his shoulder, you know, and the I guess the most um, the thing that really kind of stuck out to me, this is before he actually committed. I had a feeling he was kind of close to committing at this point, but this is shortly after the freak show. He I asked him about the fact that UNC was going to sign a class of two quarterbacks, had already had one committed, how that was going to impact him. And he just before I finished the sentence, he said, I don't care. And he said it very, very sternly, almost like a father kind of correcting you. Very sternly, you know, it didn't matter to him, wasn't going to factor into his decision whatsoever. And obviously it didn't because he committed a couple of days later. But, uh, I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, Tyler obviously is a little bit more polished. He plays for a bigger program. He has done a lot of these, uh, these showcase camps. He's a lead 11 guy. Um, Jace definitely feels like he has a lot to prove. He's literally in the middle of nowhere. You know, he didn't really kind of his recruitment really didn't pick up steam until the spring when when colleges were able to kind of go, come out and see him because I think he's like four hours from the the closest major airport. So it's just kind of a a I guess a contrast between a guy who kind of has been able to get out and get get be shown by everybody and somebody who's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. When you look at them both, I mean, from Kansas, like you said, in the middle of nowhere, and then Arizona, um, how much did Trubisky's success play in these guys' recruitment? And also, the Carolina football staff, specifically the quarterback recruiting guys like Heckendorf and all those, uh, they've cast a pretty wide net across the country, don't you think? And, And it's evident now that they've landed a Kansian and an Arizonian. Well, they definitely were swinging for the fences, and they 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 whiffed. Although they came up pretty, sh- you know, you know, barely whiffed on a couple of of big targets, you know, like uh, the Casey Thompson 
and Justin Rogers. But, you know, they were definitely kind of going for the home run ball and they weren't going to just settle for somebody who was within their recruiting territory just so that they can land a quarterback. I mean, there were several quarterbacks within the state who would have loved to commit to UNC, but UNC never offered them. But UNC wanted to go big. You know, obviously, you know, I think the Trubisky thing plays a part in it. I don't think any kid is going to make a decision purely off of that. But it, it just speaks to, obviously, every quarterback wants to play, or every player really wants to play in the NFL. So if you look at UNC's track record, particularly recently with quarterbacks, with Trubisky being drafted number two overall, that is a huge selling point and obviously kind of speaks to just their ability to develop quarterbacks. Let's look at the freak show a little bit. I mean, it was, I think, a little bit different. Correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't have the who's next type deal, and a lot of people on our message board didn't really like that part of it. But Fedora and staff still got plenty of recruits out of it. Tell me about your impressions of the freak show now, I guess, in what, year five how has it changed since they've started it, and what improvements have really made a difference, do you think? Well, last year was actually the first year that they didn't do the who's next, and that was almost like kind of like a last-minute sort of thing that they pulled a plug on it. They decided that they weren't going to do the who's next portion this year a few days in, a, in advance. They were kind of toying with it, thinking about bringing it back. But the you know because the freak show has – you know, de- you develop such a, um, I guess, a reputation and recruits want to come to it, you are now starting to get, and, and you can't, under NCAA rules, you can't have an invite-only camp. You know, although UNC tries to get all of its top recruits to come to this, they try to get all their other guys to come to the other ones, they can't say, no, you can't come to the freak show. So what's happening is there's a lot more recruits that UNC might not have a huge amount of interest in, so it makes it a lot more difficult for Fedora to kind of stand up in front of the crowd and say, who's next? Who wants to commit also? And because then you run the risk of guys jumping up and, and committing that you didn't necessarily want to commit. And then you kind of have to fix that situation, which if you're a fan who doesn't, you know, doesn't care too much or doesn't really think too much about just, you know, I guess the feelings of a, uh, of a young kid, I mean that's that's crushing for Fedora or or an assistant coach to pull you aside later and say, hey, you know we can't take your commitment right now. So th- that's really has been the only change recently, the last few years. You know, it it's been it's still the event where you know, all of the entire football teams out there, they they all have their jerseys on, their black jerseys on in particular, and a lot. I guess le- lately, the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of the former UNC players, particularly ones in the NFL, come back and add to the atmosphere by, you know, jumping up and down when there's a big catch made or when somebody, you know, has a big stop or tosses somebody during a, a lineman one-on-one drill. So that kind of has added to it. You know, this year, Eric Ebron, unfortunately, was not there, but he's been there the last couple of years, and he kind of brings his own little... Um, flair so to speak and that's always kind of kind of cool to see because he's anybody who's ever had a conversation with ebron knows he's he's quite the trash talker and very very um animated but i mean for the most part the structure is basically the same i mean they they do the the 40 yard dash they do the broad jump you know they do the position drills they uh and then they do the one-on-ones but it it, but it is a very very competitive one-on-one one-on-ones that they do because of just 
you know, the, the players and the former players being down there and kind of amping things up. And then, of course, it ends with a dodgeball tournament. And it's funny when I talk to recruits about the freak show who have been. You know, I was talking to Devin Ford, for example, who's a 2019 running back, a five-star 2019 running back. And this was a couple months ago, and I, I asked him about you know, when he was going to return to UNC. And he said that he was coming back for the freak show. And so, so what are you looking forward to it? You were there last year. And he said, well, I've been working on my dodgeball game. So um, it, it's kind of funny that that sort of thing is something that I don't want to say he was looking forward to, but it's something that obviously kind of stuck in his mind. Yeah, it keeps it fun and keeps it light. But it's pretty serious, pretty competitive dodgeball, not your old grade school dodgeball game. No, absolutely not. Tell me, uh, in your opinion, who really showed out? at the freak show not considering let's not talk about the commits they got out of it yet but in your opinion i mean jordan adams has really showed up the last couple of years or definitely did last year i assume he did this year as well and, and really impressed yeah the two guys that really stood out to me was as you mentioned jordan adams and william barnes and adams is just you know i mean he was unbelievable as you said last year this year he was just he's just such a natural receiver and he just it just seems like the game is just too easy for him. I mean, there, there are passes, and, and I just broke down his film today that, that we took, that we posted on Inside Carolina, and I'm watching it and going through it, and I'm looking at the flight of the ball, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's not going to catch this ball. He's overthrown, and he just somehow finds a way to catch it. Or there's this one play in the end zone where both him and DeAndre Hollins, who committed to UNC that day, they go for a jump ball, and they both fall to the ground, and somehow Jordan comes up with it. I mean, he just is just, it just, the game just seems to slow down for him. It, it's just, it's just amazing. He's just such a smooth player. And then with William Barnes, he's kind of, I guess, the opposite. I mean, he's just, he's nasty, you know, to, to put it in, in, I guess, nice terms. I mean, he, there were a couple of times where he almost got into a fight just because, I mean, he's, um, he's going to play until the whistle. If not a little bit beyond that, you know, he'll do, he won't necessarily do some trash talking, but he'll do some, you know, movements and everything like that and let you know when he kind of won. Um, but he was, he was dominant for the most part. And he's just such a big, strong kid. And, and like I said, I mean, he's, he was, he was, he was just purely nasty. Yeah. You need those nasty guys. Carolina certainly needs more of them. Uh, let's look at the recruits, Don, and the or the commits that came out. Now, they loaded up in the defensive backfield. Just kind of break down those guys um, just briefly and what they bring maybe differently from each other that, that helps Carolina out down the road. Well, Highlands I mentioned, and the thing that stood out to me the most is just his, his competitiveness. You know, he wanted to go up against – the number one wide receiver in the one-on-ones. And that was, of course, was Jordan Adams. And it didn't matter. Now, now Hollins won the first rep, but it didn't matter how many times Hollins lost. Hollins kept on going up against Jordan Adams because he wanted to compete against the best. And I talked to him about that afterwards. And he said, you know, that's just how he plays. I mean, he wants to compete against the best. He's also very demonstrative. Um, he's, a, he's definitely a trash talker. There was a lot of trash talking after that first rep that, that he won. It, but he's obviously a taller cornerback who could play a lot of different positions in the secondary. Trey Morrison, he actually left early, but he's a smaller corner, um, could play, probably play a little nickel also. You know, he has good man skills, but, uh, you know, he's physical, also kind of inside the box sort of thing. 
Uh, Javon Terry is a guy who was probably the most surprising commit just because of, you know, he has some work to do in the classroom, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's an unbelievable player. I mean, if, if his, if his academics were in order and they're, they're improving, but if his academics were in order, he probably would be a national recruit. I mean, he's the type of kid who for Wake Forest high school who want, went undefeated last season in the highest classification in North Carolina, he played safety, he played corner, he played nickel, he played everywhere in the secondary for Wake Forest High School. And UNC plans to use him at, at safety. He, you know, he has man coverage skills, but but he's, um, you know, he's going to be a he's going to be a safety in college. And I mean, he's just a, a physical freak. The other guy who actually committed a few weeks before, who was there, Bryson Richardson. I mean, he's just a a safety who just you know he'll come down and and I mean he'll really kind of lay the wood. I mean he'll I mean you your receivers have to know when he's coming and where he's at because I mean if you aren't paying attention, I mean he will he will rock you for sure. So I mean they all bring something different, which is what exactly North Carolina wanted to do with this class. Do you notice anything different with this class thus far than maybe in classes in the past with Fedora? I mean we've talked a lot about physicality of course, that's what you always want. But do you notice that there's more of that, more nastiness maybe in this class than there has been in the past? Or is that just, you know, the the shiny nickel at the moment when you're talking about them? No, not really. I mean, the only thing I noticed is it just felt like the class, it took a little bit of time to kind of get rolling. And some of the fans got a little antsy because last year UNC had a handful or so commits in the boat already right around – you know, when the class really got started, when the cycle really got started. Uh, but this time, I think the first commitment wasn't until, well, if you take away the two that committed as juniors, uh, Dante Burton, oh God, and the, and the kid uh, that ended up switching to uh, Virginia Tech. But if you take away those guys, Avery Jones was the first commit, and that didn't happen until March. And then UNC didn't have another one until a month later with Deami Brown. And then and then it just started to kind of get rolling. You know, um, Peyton Wilson committed a week later, and then uh, Chris Collins committed, committed a week after that. And then you have Bryson Richardson, and then all these guys started committing during the summer months. So it just it just started to get – it just started to take a little bit to kind of get rolling. But, you know, as we look now, UNC has 10 commitments, and there are 10 guys that the staff is extremely high on. And just a couple message board notes for our listeners. If you haven't checked out – uh, the film and the story on Jordan Brown, you need to do that. It's, of course, pinned on the Tar Pit Premium. And also the Ask Don Callahan section of the message board. A lot of good stuff there. We're kind of piggybacking off that. Don, of all these guys that are committed, and like you said, well, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven in the last couple weeks. Who is the um, sort of the, the recruiter in the bunch? Uh, you know, we're, we talked about a, a while back, one of the few times we did a podcast earlier in the year, that Carolina really needed that guy that was going to recruit everybody else. Who falls into that category in the commits thus far, in your opinion? Right now, there there isn't one. And, I mean, there's a couple guys who might reach out, like Peyton Wilson will reach out to guys, Chris Collins will reach out to guys. But maybe I'm just kind of um, – for lack of a better term, spoiled by Jake Lawler last year, who was and Jake Lawler and um, Michael Carter, who both were extremely active in recruiting last year. But um, I'm, I'm interested interested to see what uh, Tyler Shook is going to do as far as being a recruiter. I'm interested to see 
what Jace Reuter is going to do because obviously you know, the quarterback is always the face of the class, but these are two guys who are not only out of UNC's traditional recruiting footprint, but they're also a couple of time zones away. So and, you know they don't know all of these guys as well as you know everybody else. I mean, no, you know Peyton Wilson obviously, you know he sees Dax um, Holyfield at at all of these different events, and 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 when um, when he was being recruited, I'm sure he saw him at, at a couple of different uh, recruiting stops. And the same could be said for Deami Brown and Avery Jones. But Reuter and and Shook, I would watch for those guys. They both said they want to become. Uh, big-time recruiters, so it's it's going to be interesting interesting to see if, if they actually become that. Yeah, it's interesting to see if they can do it from Kansas and from Arizona. A few more questions to get to, but while I'm thinking about it, how much does the early signing day or the early signing period, how much do you think it will impact this class as far as getting these guys um, actually down on pen and paper or uh, in ink on paper um, in December? You know, I don't. I really don't think it's going to have a huge impact. You know, the the few sources I've I spoke to around UNC, I get the feeling that UNC is going to kind of just take a a look and see kind of approach with this class to see you know what kind of happens. I mean, anytime that there's an NCAA rule change, you always have to worry about the unintended consequences, and then you have this. You know, it almost kind of does things that you don't expect it to do. So. I'm sure that you know the guys who are firm and the guys who are who plan on enrolling early are going to sign in December and then you're going to have guys who UNC obviously is still chasing who won't be signed uh, maybe there's a guy you know I think what's going to be the most interesting is you know we had a situation last class with Malik Robinson who you know he was firmly committed said he was firmly committed but still wanted to take a couple official visits, and he obviously stuck with UNC. What happens in, in that sort of situation? I mean, does he take those official visits still and not sign with UNC? And does UNC say, wait a second, if you're not going to sign, then do we need to look at a linebacker? Because really, UNC wasn't really looking at a linebacker to replace him because they felt like he was locked in, which is kind of a risky proposition with the fact that you know, he could have easily gone to Louisville or there's a couple of other schools that, that he he was he intended on officially visiting that he didn't, and he could have fell in love and just decided to go there. So it's going to be interesting for those guys. What what happens with them? Numbers-wise, how many does Carolina and Fedora uh, want to sign? You know, last year there was, what, three or four grad transfers that you add to those numbers. But numbers-wise for this class, whether they sign in December or sign in February, how many do you think um, is the take sign for Carolina? I think you're going to see a class that kind of plays out very similar to last year's class with size-wise. You know, it's going to start in, you know, like the 17-18 range. And with attrition, you're probably going to push up to – around 20-ish, give or take. But, you know, UNC isn't going to say, okay, UNC isn't going to target 20 if they don't if they don't know who, what positions they need to address from attrition. But they also, you know, Fedora also likes to keep those, those uh, scholarships, you know, a couple of scholarships kind of open because really, I mean, they're, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to name any names because I don't want to put anything out there, but there was an offensive lineman 
who was very interested in UNC, a grad transfer this year that UNC just didn't have room for. And UNC was interested, but not to the point where they were going to try to make room for him. So, you know, with how the graduate transfer, I guess, um, I guess market has just kind of just really exploded. And the fact that UNC has been able to be involved with it this past year, I think that you're going to see more and more UNC kind of save a couple of scholarships just in case they can they can kind of pluck somebody from another roster who can help them out immediately. I'd be remiss if I don't ask about running back recruiting. Carolina clearly has a lot of names on their board. You know, on the roster currently, you've got Truett and Jonathan Sutton moved over. Jordan Brown, of course, the only one with Carolina experience. Truett, of course, from Auburn. And then you've got Branch and Carter. Your opinion on uh, that position and the recruiting? Obviously, there's a big target still out there. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't ask me about the big target. Um, I don't. I, but uh, who who might that be? <laughs> the white whale. You know, to be honest with you, you know, obviously UNC wants to sign two running backs for this class, and I think that UNC has a, has about probably about I don't know, I guess half a dozen, half a dozen or so running backs who could eventually hold those two spots. I mean, it's just so wide open. As far as as those, I mean, it's just so hard to predict. You know, a lot of those guys have visited. The majority of those guys really have visited within the last couple of weeks. You know, I think UNC will have a better idea of what's going on once uh, Zamir White decides next week because then they'll know. Because really for a while there, they were kind of holding that one spot for him and they weren't going to take two until they knew what Zamir was going to do. And now that the momentum is kind of moving towards UNC, they've made sure to kind of lock that, that one spot for Zamir. But the, you know, it, it's really going to be interesting to see because it's just so hard to tell. I mean, you know, Patrick Jolly visited recently and he loved it. You know, Anthony Grant visited recently and he loved it. Letty Brown was visiting over the weekend and he's technically committed to West Virginia. But shortly after he visits Florida, he's going to decide on what he wants to do. Um, you still have Devin Lawrence out there and uh, Javon uh, Marlowe. Um, Michael Salahuddin is another guy who has visited a couple times, hasn't visited this summer. Jameer Smith is a kid who fits UNC academically and athletically, and his mom is a nurse at UNC Hospital. So, I mean, he's one to watch, and he's going to be deciding by the end of this month. And there's there's a few others that kind of on the outside, like, uh, you know, Ronnie Walker and Colton Beck and Malcolm Davidson and everything. So, I mean, it's just... There's just so many guys, and, you know, I mean, I feel like if I were to guess what two they are, and I do this with my mock class, when I guess those guys, I don't have any sort of confidence in my guesses because I think it can go a lot of different ways. Yeah, that was a great political answer. Um, a lot of information there. Of course, Zamir White's decision, like you said, impacts everything else, but over the next few weeks, maybe before the high school football season starts and we're not that far out, what guys are deciding and what guys do does Carolina have a good a good shot at leading into the season and on up through the fall? You talk about just the running back position? Just in general. I mean, any, any big targets, not necessarily running back. White's obviously next week. But in general, big names, big targets that are making decisions. Um, uh, I, I mean, there's – I mean – I would I would venture that a good portion of the last ones that are on the board are 
at least plan to decide by the end of the summer. I mean, that's usually what, what a lot of recruits want to do. They want to decide before the end of the summer because they, if they get injured, they don't want to kind of lose some opportunities. So I would say the majority of them are going to be deciding uh, by the end of the summer. Some of them will, will kind of honor that, that decision. Some of them will still kind of go into the season with official visits. But I would, I would guess that um, you know, a good chunk of them will probably be committed by the end of the summer. Last question here. What, how many of the current commits and any uh, maybe, you know, maybe good options or, or good possibilities are early enrollees? Is that going to be, you know, usually there's what, four, five, six, seven, maybe eight early enrollees. Do we see that being the case again with North Carolina's class? Yeah, yeah. I mean, both quarterbacks want to be early enrollees. Uh, off the top of my head, Deami Brown wants to be an early enrollee. I think uh, um, uh, I know that. I mean, I'm I'm trying to trying to go off of my memory here. You know, I have to put um, you on the spot. I do it every time. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I think, I think Peyton Wilson is also Peyton Wilson is also an early enrollee. I think those. I'm probably missing a couple. But those are the main. But those are the main ones. I mean, definitely both quarterbacks are going to are, are are early enrollees. All right, and I'll do for the last question, like I do with the basketball guys. Give me maybe one or two names uh, that Carolina football recruiting fans should know, but maybe not know as much about. And that being said, I know that you've covered the waterfront on this podcast and also on your coverage on Inside Carolina. But give us a name that maybe we should be paying attention to here in the next couple weeks, couple months. That's so hard because, like you said, we, we've been covering these guys. But, I mean, I guess the guy who fits it, that description the best is Letty Brown. But we just did a, an update on him the other day. So, But, I mean, he's a guy who really likes UNC. He made kind of a secret sort of visit a couple weeks ago and then returned to the freak show where he had a bunch of his family members with him. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he's committed to West Virginia but he wants to take a visit to Florida, and then after that, he'll decide if he wants to stick with West Virginia, switch his commitment to UNC, or switch his commitment to Florida. So he's probably a guy that that uh, I would definitely watch because he's very, very high on UNC's recruiting board. Last camp at Carolina is July 21st, and then we've got a couple of dead periods come up, right? Yeah, yeah. So we well, we actually have a dead period before the July 21st camp and then this season and i believe this is the first season they're doing this the month of august is a dead period and it really is not going to matter all that much because august starts most most high school kids are starting practice so they're not going to um and they have you know practice almost every day and some in some states if they allow it two a days so i mean they're not visiting schools unless it's something you know that they have planned or whatever but uh, so it, it really isn't going to make much of a difference. Uh, but yes, so, so the August is a is also a dead period, and all that means really is that the recruits can't visit campus. They can still talk to the coaches. The coaches can still communicate with them, but campus visits will will kind of drop off completely. Good stuff, Don. I know you've been busy. I appreciate you taking time to join us. Uh, we'll get back together closer to the end of the summer, I guess. Carolina football will start sooner than most folks realize and high school football even earlier than that. Don, appreciate it. All right, thanks, Tommy. 
Thanks for listening to Inside Carolina Radio, brought to you by johnnytshirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.